Welcome to the Beekeeper's Corner Podcast. April 19th, 2020, episode 173, Double Trouble. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Beekeeper's Corner Podcast. I'm Kevin England, and I'm going to do something very strange in the beginning of this. I want you to listen to this. Go ahead. Hi, this is the Beekeeper's Corner Podcast, session two, Double Trouble, coming to you from, yeah, wherever it comes from, out in the web somewhere. Go ahead. You know... That guy sounds suspiciously like me. That is my twin brother, Keith. Welcome. Welcome. Ten years into the program, you finally come join me on the show. Well, it's nice to be here. We're in lockdown in this time of our life. And, you know, you get to that point where your wife says, you know that thing you said you were going to get through something? Now is the time. So that's what we've been doing in lockdown. And chatting with Kevin today, we were talking about a future and where it comes out of here and, and what beekeeping is and a couple of things that happened on his podcast, because I call him about his podcast. And we arrived at this, okay, it's time to do this. So I sound like him, he sounds like me, we kind of look alike, and here we go, we'll see where this goes. Um, broadcasting to you from my... Uh, we're we're empty nester, so my desk is in my daughter's bedroom while she's gone. So here I am. Yeah, and I'm in my man cave. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, do note that you can go to youtube.com slash BK Corner and watch it on YouTube. We're doing a video version of it. I think that's my YouTube channel. If not, I'll make sure I get that straight before we go. But uh, yeah, we're recording on Zoom. This is, uh, Keith, what I talked about in that one episode of trying to figure out how to get things done while we're locked in the house. I got to give a tip of the cap to Kim Flottam, who helped me figure out that Zoom was a good place to go for this. And uh, let's talk about what we're going to discuss on the episode. I'm going to do a local hive report. I'm going to have to sit tight there and check. Check. Oh. All right, see, he does listen. He's not even a beekeeper, but he listens just for the purpose of listening, yeah? Yeah. How many shows do you think you've listened to? Two dozen, I would say. But they're way over my head, as you're going to see along the the progression of this. Yeah, so one of the things we're going to do for this episode is answer your burning questions, because you have (laughs) a lot of them. Uh, one One of the key things, if you're a listener, you should know about him is, he calls me all the time and says, I listen to this pod. What the heck is this thing that I've talked about or whatever? So today he's going to get his chance to ask me all the very not silly questions that he wants to this ask the, about what's what. You want to try one? This is like the lazy layman's version. So I, I should say his answer to me is usually, you know, I have a beginner section. <laughs> yeah. And you could go back and listen all of these and I'm like no no I'm your brother and I have special rights and I think you should just help me out so okay entertain you all the time do I not yes yes he does he's very good about it let me let me preface this I'll set it up okay is that all right yep go ahead okay so varroa yeah it's a nasty thing oxalic acid 
I know about that because one day I happened to be at your house and you were treating you and Bob, that other famous guy on your podcast. And I get that. I get that. What I don't get as a lay person listener, and I'm thinking if you're new to this because you're trapped in your home right now, staying at home, maybe you don't know some of these terms. So he says things like a new, he says a comb, he says a honey super or a queen excluder. I went, before I get on the air tonight, I went and looked up Queen Excluder. The thing is a screen. It's a screen. I don't get it. I thought it was a little box or something special with some kind of trigger <laughs> on it. Or It's a screen. So listening and not seeing, and admittedly, I don't see the video. I only listen when I'm driving back and forth to work. Some of these things are so far beyond me. And I just, I can let it go because Kev's good at explaining what he's doing. And I could get draw the picture and the inference. But these basics, that's what I'm missing. The basics. What is a nuke? Let's start with that one. Okay. It's a submarine. <laughs> it's not a submarine. That's what powers submarines. A nuke right. is short for the term nucleus. Nucleus is just the core of a hive. So you've been to the house. You've seen what a beehive looks like. It's a bigger box. And there's usually one on top of the other. If you could take the heart of the hive, meaning the colony, and put it in a smaller box and then use it for various purposes, that's the intent of a nucleus colony. So so, each, an, so that you could have three nukes stacked on top of each other. Well, I've never seen your box. Give me a minute and I'll, I'll show, you, show you the path of righteousness here. So if I could look in a hive, and say the nest, you grasp the nest, right? That's yep, where that's the, the bees core, in the colony. Right. The bees in the colony where the queen is laying eggs and brood, one of your terms you've asked me about. Yes, what the hell is brood? Brood. You say brood, brood, you brood. You say brood all the time, but you never yeah. explain what it is. Brood. This is going to lead me down this rat trap. Um, a nuke is just the nest in miniature. And you, when you buy a hive to get started, you buy a colony. Colony is bees, hive is the equipment. When you buy a colony of bees, a lot of times the person who sells them to you sells you a package, which I know you don't know what that is. We'll explain later. I do. And a nucleus hive, which is they've taken five frames out of a colony, out of a hive, and they put it in this miniature box and they sell it to you. And then you take those five frames out and you put them in a 10 frame box with extra frames. So and that's maybe, a starter colony. That's a nuke. Maybe what, what I should say is what I know. It's a wooden box. The top comes off. There's a little hole in the front. Yeah. And you slide these things in the slots. Frames. And there's an upper and a lower or something like that. And then you try and get everybody up in the top of the box where the heat is in the wintertime. That's how much I know. Okay. So yeah. what I don't understand is if you've got these frames and the bees are on it, what's a honey super? Okay. Let, let's not go down this path yet. Okay. I answered your question, a nuke, right? And Good. typically, I'm going to just leave it there. But a nucleus colony is the nuke equipment which is a smaller box with a roof and a lid and a bottom board and everything, just like a miniature That's another hive, one. Right? Bottom board. Bottom board. This nucleus thing is a piece of equipment that contains a small colony of bees 
it's what they sell you to get started and it's also something that you could use in your beekeeping practice for various tasks which i'm not going to go into but you got the gist of it right it's a hive in miniature yes okay so hold your questions but that's a that's a good start to a number of questions we'll get to later i want to go in a somewhat normal format so the First thing I'll say is, what are we going to talk about? A uh, couple news and notes. I want to talk about the hive inspection form. I want to ask you about EAS and okay. talk about your role at EAS as part of the organization. Um, we're going to discuss vapor masks. This is the reason that you and I talked about coming on the podcast, wearing masks for beekeeping activities. And we'll open that up when we get to it. And then... After that, we can talk about getting started in beekeeping and your interest to possibly, uh, yeah. So you have a question, uh, go ahead. Uh, no, no, I wanna introduce, but wait, first, before we do all that, folks, yeah. let's get to the local hive report. The you local hive report. Away. Thank you, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to do that. Local hive report. Local no. hive report. Uh, Bob Kloss came and visited me the other day he called me with a surprise. He had, he knows that I did a walkaway split and he contacted me and said he came by the way of, uh, <laughs> of a queen. I know walk away. Split. What is that? It's a split where you take a hive and you separate it. One has the queen. I had two boxes, right? I took one box Wait. off and put it, made a new colony and, that's Can I stop I you for a second? You don't have to do that. Yeah, just yeah. go do your hive report. Okay. Forget about my little nuances. I'm just going to be down here in my corner. <laughs> Making faces Please. at me. So if you're watching be, the video, this will be a six-hour podcast. We don't I know. Go. All right. Go. Forget me. Bob brought me a queen. And so what we did was we first started with the hive that was on the far end. Last time I looked at that, it did not appear to have a queen. And actually what I thought was maybe it made itself a new queen. Well, when Bob and I went through that, we found the queen. She looked new. She looked like she was young. Uh, how do I know she looked new? She didn't tell me, hey, uh, you know, squeaky teenage voice or anything. She was smaller. Usually when you see a smaller queen, she is not um, either mated or she's just mated and she's not fully developed. They tend to grow a little bigger as they get mated and so on. So she looked a little dinky to me, which tells me in my brain, she's a, a new queen. But the key to it is we saw that she's laying eggs and we saw that the colony has a queen. So we weren't going to put the queen in that one. So we walked down the road to the next set. I had just made a split. I went in the polystyrene hive looking to see whether it ended up with the queen or the other one ended up with the queen since we split the hive in half and one of them got a queen and one didn't. Pulled the second frame, voila, there's the queen. Beautiful, super long, just gorgeous. Yeah, like, like the shape that you just said. She's everything. If she was dark black, that would be even better because everybody likes these dark black queens. She was uh, orangey, but she was beautiful. So, and I have to say this, I'm gonna pat myself on the back. There's not very often that you look at things and read it and then come back later and verify what you know. So Keith, this is what you strive to get to if you become a beekeeper. I knew that other hive had a problem. 
I knew it didn't look like it had a good queen situation. I knew that it was probably trying to correct itself. And I opened it up and I found that it had a queen and she's laying. She's probably new, just got mated. And my read was proper coming out of winter, right? Now I'm a master beekeeper. I should know all this stuff, but sometimes the bees don't behave the way you think they're going to. I looked at the two hives that I made a walkaway split and the one that I found the queen in is the one I thought got the queen because of the way it was behaving. It was calm. It was productive. It was doing its thing. The other hive at the time that I made the split immediately was nasty. They were buzzing me when I was running. They didn't seem really with it. And if I had to take my juthers, that hive, which was the cedar hive, as I call it, didn't have a queen. And darn if we know that the other one had a queen. I started lifting frames, Bob and I, and we found queen cells. So if a colony has material to make a queen and they lose their queen because I took it away from them, they'll make a new queen. Well, we found queen cells. And what Bob and I said was, well, we have a queen in a package, in a cage, and we have a hive that has queen cells and no queen. And we're looking at it, and it's two deeps, and it's chock full of bees. Even though I split this hive, it was still loaded wall-to-wall with bees. So we decided to call an audible, which is befuddle Sharon. You have to laugh, Keith. Every time I say that, Sharon's like, well, what does that mean? I said, it's a football term. You've never heard it? Do you know audible? Have you heard it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I called an audible, and we split the hive again. So we took one box with all the queen cells and put it on a new bottom board. And we took the other box that had no queen and we gave it to queen. So I shot a video. Bob shot the video. I opened the queen cage. I pried the staple off and I pulled the screen back. This was after setting the queen on the top frames and watching the bees to see if they behaved. So if your colony has queen and you try to give it a queen, it'll kill the queen. And they act nasty. They bite the cage and they try to get in to sting and kill the queen. Well, one of the ways you know is you take the queen cage, which has a screen on it, and you put it down on the bees. And they climb on there. And if they're trying to kill them, they have a death grip on that screen. If you could take your finger and rub it across and wipe them off, but they come back and they're lovingly loving the queen, you know that they're going to accept that queen. So what we did was, instead of waiting by popping the cork and letting the candy plug be there, we released the queen right into that hive. So I pried the screen up, and we set it down, and we sat there and held our breath, and we watched the queen come out eventually and walk right down into the hive. And now that hive has a queen. So mission accomplished there. Life is good. And the other hive, which has queen cells, the last thing to say about that hive is, if you look at the queen cells, at the end of the period where the queen is about to come out, sometimes the workers help the queen to come out by going on the bottom of the queen cell and they chew around the edge on the bottom. You could literally see a discoloration on the rounded cup of the cell as it hangs down. If you don't know this, but a queen cell looks like a Mr. Peanut has a texture on the side and it has a round bottom just like the bottom of my finger that I'm holding down on the video and that round bottom changes color it's like a light yellow versus the tan of the rest of the cell so she's 
coming out imminent and there were two or three cells and they all had that. So that hive probably has virgin queens running around. Now, weather-wise, it's been crazy weather, hasn't it, Keith? Yes. It's been cold, hot, rain, cold, hot, rain. Ah, ooh, sorry. <laughs> ah, ooh. So that's a Bugs Bunny reference. Good yes, for sir. you, because I do that all the time. So I'm close <laughs> runs in the family. <laughs> I, I, once I say to Sharon, um, don't you worry, never fear. Robin Hood will soon be here. <laughs> Rob's on the um, rich, gives to the poor. Yeah. All right. Um, so we're back to the queen cells. Yes. It was 26 degrees this morning when I got up. Frost all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, frost. All over plants in. So tomorrow. Our entire kitchen is full of plants. Every bit of the island looks like a jungle right now. Tomorrow it's supposed to be possibly 60-something degrees, and it's yep. going to rain all next week. Did you see that? There's like one or two days. So one of the things uh, I'll tell I'm you is if you're so going to become a beekeeper, you got to be zen with the weather. So that's, you know, let's kill this. Uh, uh, local hive report, I think we're in really good shape. Every hive is doing its thing. It's perfect timing. They're good size. I'm, I'm really excited to find a queen in that other hive. I moved that hive from position nine, which was in the far yard, down to position one and put it on my grain scale. So all my bees are down in yard one, which just makes it easier for me to work. And one of the things I'll say to you if you're a beekeeper is they're spread out. I have my hive stands about five or six feet apart, and I have them on every other stand, so they're pretty far apart. So um, I, I like where we're going in spring. Local hive report? Check. Check. That was fun. Uh, EAS. EAS. Tell me, tell me your story with EAS. So How did it go this year? I, I, am, I am a union mason bricklayer. Build large, big commercial hospitals, airport things, that kind of stuff. That's what I do for my regular job. Along the way, I also have a crazy history of doing different things. So one of the things that I do is web development, usually database-driven stuff. But I happen to be the EAS um, webmaster. So uh, I'm assuming that most of you know what EAS, but if not, it's a very large B organization for you newcomers. Eastern and they hold a very big conference. Unfortunately, they have just made the decision, unfortunately, to cancel the conference for this year. It was going to be in, in Orono. I hope I pronounced that right, Maine. I think that's right. Yeah. And they have done yeoman's work getting ready for this. So many meetings, so much time invested, so much going on. You have no idea how it all looks so easy when you get there, if you've ever been. And unfortunately I haven't, I was thinking about this year, but they, they unfortunately came to reality. So if you look at their, their website, it's, I'm going to plug them. It's Eastern apiculture.org. Okay. And if you look at the front page, they'll talk about what happened. Um, so for their part, they're, like everybody else, they're scrambling to see if they can put out some content for those people that are sorely going to miss this great conference that they host every year. So I'm sure if they send me stuff, we'll be posting it to the site and maybe people that 
were scheduled to speak may be doing some, I might be over speaking, I don't know all the details, but maybe somebody would be kind enough to step up and offer some speeches. I hope that's the case. Um, I understand that they're going to go forward with the, uh, next year's plans. Um, the details on that it's are not being, being hosted in Maine next year, right? They're not postponing. They're going with the same location they were going to go with. This, I, I, I don't want to overspeak, but my understanding is that they're going to go the direction they were already going. I don't yeah. know that they're going back to Maine. However, sure. I can't say unequivocally that that has been decided. I, I missed the meeting the other night, so I'm not in the full loop. My understanding is that to some degree they were talking about going forward to the next location. So I hope that's not the case and the people in Maine get their shot. But if that's the case, then uh, I'm sure that this will come up again and things will get solved. If you look to their website, I'm sure as they send me information and as they have stuff to present, it's really a worthy thing to go look at that site if you've never been there. They have a ton of information, especially for like what Kevin was saying, those of you that are going down the master beekeepers route, et cetera. And it's an honor to be a part of that, even though I'm not a beekeeper. Between that and a podcast, I kind of feel like a, a something. Some You're like an honorary member. <laughs> yeah. And I know, I know all these people that he talks about because I put the speakers together and stuff over the years. So yeah, Kim Flottam, I heard him talk about him earlier. I know Kim Flottam. So yeah, I feel like I know something. That's kind of weird that you you know things. Like when I talk to you, you follow along. But you, if I talk yeah. to somebody on the street who Kim Flottam is, they'd have no clue. I, I have to share that I had a lot of fun. I get on the phone and the legend, and I, I've never met the man, but he's the legend. His name is Dewey Karen. And he goes, hey, I'm Dewey Karen. I'm going to help you put the speakers together. I said, I know who you are. He goes, you what? He said, yeah, my, my twin brother has a podcast and I listen to it. He goes, what would Dewey do? So I know you're somebody. <laughs> so I, I just, I find that interesting. That? I really enjoyed that. And he was great. They were great to work with. Every year you get a new regime. So yeah. I get to meet new people. It's fun. Can't wait to go and meet all what of them. You actually said that to him? He must have like. Yeah. I said, what would Dewey do? That's, That's kind of funny. You know, what's funny is I had my hand on my Dewey Karen t-shirt today. I was going to put it on. It's funny because I don't know, listen, to me, you're my famous brother. You have this podcast that people over in Taiwan listen to it. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But like I, I talk to people and, and I'm like, yeah, my brother does podcasts. They're like, what? Yeah, he's got a podcast. And he meets all these people and he knows all these things. And sometimes they ask him to talk and he goes down and does different things. He's really into it. Yeah, it's yeah. Fun. my famous brother. You know, it. it my famous brother. When I go to EAS, everybody calls me Keith. Hey, Keith, how you doing? No, Kevin. <laughs> well, you hey, look Keith. like me. No, I've been answering to the name Kevin all my life. So I get I get emails, you know, hey, Kevin, can you go update the blah, blah, blah on the website? It's like, no, that's my brother, Keith. So, yeah. Yeah. I have to tell this story. Keith moment. Do I get to do Keith moments? One day, Kevin come to work for me. Keith moment. <laughs> and he was in a he was in a construction trailer, and my foreman screamed at him, "Get out there! Get on the wall! What are you doing in here?" He goes, "Wait, I'm not Kevin. I'm Kevin. I'm not Keith. Get out there! What are you doing in here?" I just had to say that. Sorry. Go ahead. All right, where are we going next? Do you want me to go back to my things, or hey, we're going go to go to the? Uh, so, the thing that we've been talking about forever was 
I did a podcast where I talked about protecting yourself from acid vapors when you're doing and, and various activities. Right. Um, and you were good. I have to give you kudos. On I that. did a good so job. The background is I'm, I'm actually an OSHA instructor. I'm an apprentice instructor. I teach for our union, et cetera. And I do respiratory fit testing for our union members. And because of silica, which is now the newest OSHA standard, we are acutely aware of respiratory problems. So what our union hall has done is they've gotten together with all the contractors and they put a program together so that everybody has the same equipment. It alleviates the liability of the contractor to have to prevent seven or present 17 different types of masks and cartridges. And so in conjunction, we got a grant, everybody wears the same equipment unless there's special circumstances. Do you own the equipment or they supply it? So, the members get a mask for free. They also get the training for free. And I say free, we pay dues and stuff. It's not like somebody else pays for it. Um, however, I, I, and I want to start with this, is if you're going to wear one of these devices, anytime that you take some sort of a step where you're compromising your ability to breathe freely, and this goes with what we're doing right now, Everybody's wearing a mask to go to the local supermarket. So if you're taking that air that's freely exchanging and you're compromising that, you have to be aware that there's a circum there's there's possibly some negative aspect to that. So if you're a worker and maybe you're not in the best of condition or you're working your hives and maybe I'm sorry, I'm gonna be derogatory, maybe you're an office dweller. And you don't get to go outside like I do. <laughs> uh, you could potentially put yourself in harm's way simply by making your breathing more difficult over a period of time. So you cannot just go buy, you could, but you shouldn't go buy one of these masks without doing the proper assessment before you do it. And that's one of the things that we offer, and that was the lead into our discussion. Yeah. Is that you have to do a medical evaluation and it could be as simple as going to 3M or whoever the mask operator is going to their website and they have online questionnaires where a doctor evaluates it and then they give you a period of time. Um, more importantly, you need to know how to use that equipment. You cannot just say, okay, I'm going to put this on and have a face that has facial hair. It won't work. You have to be clean shaven. You have to understand how to clean the device, what the uh, limitations are. There's as many different types, configurations, and I, I think you're gonna see. So I, I did a little printout. I actually sent my mask to my daughter because she's on the COVID unit in New Hampshire. So I sent her this. And, and if she runs out of PPE up there, She's going to have that equipment. So what I'm showing you, you is mailed her a mask. Yeah, I put it in a box and I sent it to her. It's yeah. a it's a 3M 6000 series mask. It's a full face mask. Now, Kevin's going to show you what he has, which is a little different version. You could go go ahead. And he's holding that up now, and what it is is it's one that you see more like somebody in an auto body shop would use, where they just cup it over their face and it has the cartridges on the side. So the thing about these masks is... Wait, let me see the 
Go ahead. Note that my cartridges are still sealed. You don't want to open them until you use them. So right. this is a brand new mask, and these are the cartridges, and you should store them properly. I, I'll look up which episode I talked about it, but there's a lot of information I conveyed. But um, So you had a full face mask. This is a partial face mask. Correct. Right. So, so we do, uh, as you remember, and you're going to use this equipment if you're going into a refractory, into one of the refineries or something like that. Oh, hold on one second. Alexa, turn on desk lamp. Sorry, it must be nine o'clock. Shut my lamp off. You, if you're playing out loud, you probably just talk to everybody's Alexa. <laughs> oh, sorry, people. Sorry. Cancel. That's right. Where was that? I got lost. I'm sorry. Um, oh, if you're going out, we do what's called a respiratory fit test. And the, the N95 mask, which now I don't have to explain because everybody in the planet has heard that term in the last month. Those masks have a quality. And wearing this mask, the one that I showed, this 300 full face super duper one, is not necessarily any better than wearing that simple mask that you see people wearing on the streets every day. It depends on the type of testing you do and the way that you wear that equipment and the duration and time and all of those factors. So there is a lot to know. And again, I go back to my opening statement where you just want to be somebody that looks into it a little bit. Don't just go buy a mask and put it on and go out because, you know, if you're restricting your breathing and you're not doing it right, that's, that's a health concern. If you're not wearing it correctly and you're not getting the seal that you're supposed to have, that's a health concern. If you're not maintaining that mask and wearing the right cartridges, using them in the proper way, that is a health concern. And you're trying to do good, so you want to make sure that you're doing good. But by taking these simple steps, it's not hard. There's, it's not there's one thing we, we all have in common, which is we need to breathe, period. We need to breathe. So why would you mess with anything that has to do with the number one thing you need to do in order to live, which is breathe, right? And, and I can tell you, so if you could see us, if you're not just listening, we're both wearing glasses and glasses are a consideration. And there are full masks that have positive pressure and do different things. You could wear contacts. You can, there are, but I mean, not knowing and going into it blind you're not doing yourself any favors. So if you need this equipment, make sure that you're doing it the right way. That's it. That's what I got. The other day I was on uh, YouTube and I was watching this guy. I was, I was looking up different oxalic acid vaporizers. Mm -hmm. And this guy was showing how his Oxivap ProVap device worked. And he's standing out in the yard with the thing. And he has it lit and he's spewing vaporized gas and he starts coughing and he's talking to his wife she starts coughing and she's filming it and it was just what a travesty i mean oh yeah it sounds like the silica they want to show you the silica dust but they're standing in there cutting there no water no vacuum no nothing yeah i don't know what that means let me play i'm not a bricklayer what is the silica dust when you're cutting so, with a saw silica is a super fine particle it in if i had to compare it to something it's today's version of asbestos it's been around since the dawn of time um the the 
industry, anytime you deal with any kind of dust that has anything to do with sand or cutting concrete or brick or anything that we do in that regard, if you, if you open that up and that super fine particle, it'll go through where water won't go. That's how fine it is. If it gets into your lungs, it'll lodge into your lungs. And you could have acute silicosis, which is rare but possible, or you could have long-term exposure similar to the asbestos. Basically, your lung can't expel it, so parts of your lung die, and it stops you from exchanging oxygen at the lowest level. So for us as a trade, it's become a very big topic because everything we do, we have to deal with silica. And because of that, that's where the respiratory aspect comes in. Now we do, we clean brick with detergents. We do things like that. You must that, have so that, people who are within range of what you're doing and all that stuff too, right? But this is not a homeowner concern, is it? Unless people are cutting tile or doing whatever. You should be concerned, yeah. If you're doing the homeowner thing, it's still silica. Anytime that you're cutting something like if a block. If you're cutting stone block, anything at home, then you need to be concerned. I, I could easily help you with this. You go to OSHA.gov and look up table one, if you're concerned about this, and you yeah. can find the basics on how to help yourself, at, at least the minimum. I mean, there's plenty more. I could talk for hours on this, but we're... So, so I'm going to come back to episode number 156. It was titled mad as hockey sticks it was topic number one protective masks and on that i had linked to the cartridge and filter selection guide the respiratory selection you want to look at formic acid page 127 of that guide whatever go to the show notes for that and i think the key is i bought the mask and i bought the cartridges and there's two let me see if I get this right without screwing it up because it's important. There's two reasons you wear a mask. Formic acid is one. And formic acid is an acid. So you need the cartridge, 6,000 something. I don't know it off the top of my head. That is the, the one for acids. In fact, it probably says usually, it. Right. Usually it's associated with a color. I don't want to make blanket statements, but if you if you have the right color, usually... Well, these are sealed, so I can't tell what color it is. But it's 6,003. 6,003 is organic vapor acid gas cartridge. But don't listen to me. Go read it from the 3M guide. Right. And the other one is multi-gas vapor cartridge. And this one is for um, different uses in... In beekeeping, you wear the right one. Now, one of these will protect you against an acid, 6003, if I have it right, and the other one will not. So do your homework is what I'm saying. Yeah, so listen like, to the, the episode that I just mentioned. The image that I presented earlier, for those of you that can see, has purple. And generally, that's, that's what I have online. It's particular. So, so there's one other thing which again, you, you called it out for COVID. Um, these pieces here, there's four of them. They, you would use two on a mask as far as I know. They're little plastic pieces. They almost look like earmuff pieces. Right. And they go on top of the cartridge. And what right. happens is in here, in this box that I'm holding, if you're watching the video, there's a particulate filter, N95, should sound familiar. And 
in combination, when you're doing oxalic acid, and especially if you're using powdered form that you're sublimating, different, I won't go there, um, yeah. it's a powder. And to your point, you're not supposed to ingest that. So they not only tell you to wear the acid cartridge, but they tell you to, it, it might be overkill, but why would you not follow the instruction? Have a particulate filter on it too. So when I do my oxalic acid vaporizations and stuff, I'm going to wear these. Now, the one thing that I didn't talk about was what you're holding up, a face shield. My mask is nose, mouth, cover, but it doesn't cover my eyes. You don't want to get it in your eyes, so you're supposed to wear a face shield. Or you get a full face mask like the one you were holding. Now, I don't know how, how do you wear that face mask underneath your beekeeping veil? So first of all, the bad thing about these is they get very dirty very quick in our business. This is a fresh one. You could actually see me. Looks like a racing tear-off there, Keith. Yes, it is. It is similar to that. It's a very thin piece of plastic. However, you should explain the that. alternative of something actually hitting you in the face is a big deal. Keith it, is a race car driver, and yes, he wears a helmet, and he races on dirt. And when you race on dirt, the mud flies in your face all the time. And they, they put these plastic, plastic sheets over floor. top of the screen and you tear them off right. and get yourself a new view. And maybe how many do you use in a race? Three, four? Usually about a half a dozen. And, and you put them all on one side of the helmet. And then when you get, you don't have any more to pull. You can pull one more off and then you're wiping your field trying to see. So, Or you're racing with your shield up, which you shouldn't do. Yeah, you, you crack it a little bit and you get it mouthful of dirt so so tell me what i want to say about this is you're you're holding up the full face shield i'm holding up the face the face shield this this particular one is meant to go on a hard hat and now if you're if you're really excited about this kind of stuff you could put on they make hard hats that have built-in shields in them and all kinds of things they look a lot like a bike helmet they're a little more expensive but they have built-in earphones and, and have you ever seen uh safety glasses you've seen my beekeeping veil right it has a helmet inside which the yeah. netting sets on could you put that over i guess it doesn't have a yeah. wide enough brim no i think it'll go it, and not all of them are this style this is this this on a helmet with a this spring actuated back what you can't see is it's it's got a metal frame and then on the back it's got a spring with a piece of rubber around it and it stretches over the back of your hard hat. These are notorious for falling off, but you do your best to protect yourself because that one time, and I've, I've been a Mason since 1984, believe me, I've taken my share of hits from something coming off, and thankfully, we wear our safety glasses. In fact, I have prescription ones. I never take them off. And, you know, if you're out there and you're working with bees, and you're doing it as as a hobby, and I know some people do it for a living, I understand that, but you want to not ever get injured doing that. Okay, you're gonna get stung occasionally, but that's part of the deal. But but the back injury, the, the, the one-off, the getting something in your face like exotic acid drops is probably not something you want to do on the weekends. So yeah. take the time to make it right. And just a little precaution goes a long way. We're not saying you got to wear Kevlar. I don't mean that. I don't want to get crazy about it. But if you're going to wear a respirator, invest in the time to do it right. Make sure that you have somebody do it. Talk about that. You, you, 
not to put you on the spot, I really am not going to do a training thing here, but tell me the basics about getting a good seal. And first off, I, I went through medical uh, evaluation at work because we mm-hmm. had confined space and I was involved in that. So I've been through that and can wear a respirator and have been trained. Um, so there's, there's you're a lay person test looking at this equipment. What are some basics beyond you should go follow what they say? It's, on it's so hard. I could go into it a little bit. Qualitative and quantitative. Okay. One is more than the other. and It doesn't matter which one. You'll know if you have to go do it. You basically, we show you how to wear the equipment. We show you how to don and doff, both on and off. Don means okay. put on, doff means take off. Correct. And in, in essence, we we show you how to test it while you're wearing it to make sure that it's got a proper seal. And then what we do is they have a special procedure where you wear the equipment, we put something over top of you that's akin to a hood, and then we spray something in that's a vapor. And if you could taste it, it has a sweet saccharine kind of smell to it and taste. You'll know that your exposure is there, that you didn't wear the mask properly. So we can go and we ask you to do some simple tasks. You read a sentence, you stand on one foot, you turn your head side to side. And, and it's essentially you're emulating what you would do if you were moving around wearing that mask. And you're learning that it is actually sealed to your face, right? Mm-hmm. So through that series of tests, you could determine that you're wearing the thing correctly. And then we go into how to break it down, how to clean it, what to do to take care of it. What do you have to do to it clean just, it? If I wore that one time out, and obviously I would wipe the outside down, clean the inside with soap and water. Is there anything I... Right. Don't get it wet. No, it's it's not that big a deal. It's it, for us. We're in a much different environment than you are. We're yeah. talking about grinding joints out of a brick wall. So yes, we don't have any of that. Grinding. We're we're standing at a beehive, yeah. and the most we're going to get is some vapors waft our way. So I think I think the biggest thing for you is the storage of it. You want to make sure that it's in a reasonable place. You can, like in this this particular mask that I keep showing you. You could buy what like a cell phone cover has on it and put it on the screen so that if it gets marked up or if it gets dirty, you simply do the tear off thing like we were saying. Um, For you, if you're going to wear it three times a year, you just, my suggestion would be line a bucket with a, uh, some sort of cloth, a microfiber, and then store it across that, put it in there and keep it safe. That's the biggest thing is you don't do, want to throw guys, it in the box with all your other beekeeping your equipment. Cartridges sealed in? Because you don't want to, first off, one of the things I say in that episode, but it's worth repeating here, don't store your cartridges in your garage next to your oil or volatile. No. Right? No, it's like the thing in the refrigerator. It picks up the taste. You don't want to do that. Yeah, so where do you store it? What do you guys keep your cartridges in? They, they simply, uh, they recommend that in our case, because we're not storing it near anything, that, that you store the stuff in a bucket. You could put those in an individual Ziploc bag if you care to, but you have to give it some chance to breathe too, because remember that when you breathe in and out, it's, it's air, but it's also moisture. So you want to give this, you don't want to seal it so tight that you're going to have a problem down the road. Um, so I always envisioned that I would work the hives and do whatever, and then I would bring it in 
I'm not going to put it in the cabinet with my chainsaw and things like that, but I'm no. going to bring it in the house. I'm going to let it dry out. And then eventually I have a dehumidifier running in the basement, whatever. I'll, I'll make sure that it gets dried out properly from any moisture from me breathing. And then I'm going to put it in plastic and seal it I up. think I, if you're like most of us, by the time you reach our age, plus 50, um, you, you have some sort of, like I have a, mine is in a duffel bag. That's where I keep it. I keep all the equipment. I keep an extra hard hat and everything in a big gym duffel bag. And that's where, that's where I store it. And I literally wrap that, like I said, I wrap the screen in a microfiber. And then the cartridges that are in use aren't new, obviously, but the rest of them are all in the wrapper, just like you do. Is there any place and, where a lay person can go get tested? They don't belong to a union. Yes, I, I believe there is. I don't, because we have a program and I've never really looked outside of it. I, I know there's availability to do that. There are people. It will cost some money. I don't think it's free. I don't think anybody yeah. does. If it. you're an office dweller. Yes. You go ask your nurse department. A lot of them have an HR yes. or slash, not HR, a uh, nurse. You know, a lot of places, even a standard regular corporation has uh, testing for people who do confined space and other things. So, I, I don't know the answer to this, but you might be able to go down to your local volunteer uh, emergency services. Fire company. And, yeah. Because they wear Scott masks, right? Scott masks. They're wearing similar equipment. We were in the fire service. Yeah. Yeah. All right, it's time. Yep. Burning questions. Burning uh, questions. I'm ready. Topic number two. So we did we did those couple things that I said earlier. So Let me first say this. Let to me preface say. this, you and I have been discussing you possibly joining forces with me and mentoring me here at my property. Yep. And because you want to see how things go outside of your realm, you were thinking about, and you've been talking about it on your podcast, putting a couple of hives in different places. Well, guess what? I was one of those people you were considering. Yeah. Wait, so before you do that, significant I'm, other I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Hold on. Okay. I'm going to ask you an uh, off-the-cuff question. Ginger. Um, I'm drinking water. COVID. I have to take a moment. Okay. Um, you were sick. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but boy, it was bad. Tell me, tell me, so you... We won't call it COVID because you didn't get tested and you can't tell whether right. you have the antibodies. Maybe someday you'll find out, but talk about the experience, how you got it, what, what happened, uh, so on. I was working in uh, over the Mario Cuomo Perrytown, um, call it what you want, Bridge, what do they call it, Tappan Z. And I came out of that job and they asked me to go to JFK and run a job at JFK. And I said, JFK, okay, I'll go. International uh, John F. Kennedy International Airport. Yeah, JFK Airport. So I had been there for a month, worked there. It's, it's a huge undertaking to go to that job for me because I live, I don't even want to go into that. It's a 14-hour it's, it's day. So there was one aspect that had to get finished. I said, I'll go, but I'm not going to the airport. I'm going to get in our company truck. We're going to go in through the taxiway, ride along the jets to the job that's outside. It's undercover. We'll be there for two days. We're good. The second day, my coworker who was driving the truck was ill. He sucked it up. We finished the job and we left. I went home. 
after that, I was quarantined. Not, not because somebody told me to, but because in New Jersey, they said stay home. So I did. The following week, I got really ill. Like, not a huge fever, but a fever. And just weak, couldn't hardly get up and walk. Just bad. And it hung and it clung. And it just didn't go away. No respiratory. Uh, yeah. At the end of it, I started coughing, but I wasn't, like, short of breath or anything. And then... I had a second online virtual doctor visit that was interesting. And they gave me, I forget what it's called, some sort of antibiotic, really. The one that, the one of the two things that they're talking about. And it took a couple of days, but it solved it, I think. That was a big one. So That's I've been home since. I've done almost no traveling. And we're, we're doing okay, staying home. It's not a problem for us. We're, we're fortunate. My wife works for a very familiar pharmaceutical company. Yeah, Bristol Myers. Yeah. We and purchased Celgene, and when we sealed the deal, we got Karina with it. Right. So my wife works for Kevin's company now, and she's well, home. We work for the same company. Yeah. <laughs> so my company. But, yeah. That's so, cool. Yeah. But that was my story, and I don't, again, I didn't get tested. I don't know what happened, but... I was the anger part was that the guy didn't call and tell me he was sick for three days and stayed home, nor did my company. So that was a little bit of a thing. Did, did he? Uh, I called him to tell him I was sick. He get Sorry. tested? Your coworker? He did not. No. Hmm. So flu, that other thing, I don't know, but boy, I don't want to do it again. I'll tell you that. I when I you know, first off, shame on you. You didn't even tell me you were sick. I was like, where the heck are you? I, yeah. Finally got a hold of you and you're like, Oh, I've been out of commission. I feel like I'm paralyzed. I'm like, well, what the hell's wrong with you? you didn't... <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. My wife would say I'm the biggest baby on the planet, but that's what they all say. So well I'm staying with that. You're funny. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out. Go ahead. You remember when we went to uh we went to Tulsa <laughs> and I said to you we're in this building with all these people and I'm going to wash my hands and do all this. And you're like, what? You're a germaphobe. What did you lick? I forgot what you licked. I don't know, but I'm a bricklayer. So we, we think like, if it doesn't kill you, it ridiculous makes you, you took something and like licked the doorknob or something ridiculous yeah. like that. I don't forget what it was. Never been sick in my life. I've never been so. sick. I don't ever get sick. Look, you're licking something. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Oh no. You got to bring that up. You're making me look bad. <laughs> That's funny, though. You're right. I did it. I admit it. Uh, yeah, it was funny. Strong like bull. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let All me right. go to my questions. Question. I got it. Go ahead. You ready? Yep. I'm ready. All right. I'm going to need a drink for this. So, so this is a, a little unrelated. Can I just be a surrogate place for you to put a hive? Like, are the, the yeah. if I call up this, hey, I got a beautiful place. You want to put a hive here? They don't here? stop you. I know you so on our website, Northwest, right, we get requests all the time in the state. And actually, I've almost opened it to the state of New Jersey, much to my chagrin. Uh, we have a thing that says, do you want hive placement? And you could fill out a form. Okay. Like a dating service, Tinder for beekeepers, will map you to a beekeeper. And I suggest for listeners, if you don't have this service, it's a good idea. Because there's a lot of people who don't want to keep bees. 
but would love to make a match with a beekeeper and keep them there. And actually last week, um, we got a request on there from a corporation and I happened to know a guy who keeps bees in the area where the corporation was. And I sent him a notice and he sent a notice to the, to the person from the company and tried to make a match there. So, uh, yes, you can go to our website, Northwest, if you're in Hunterdon County, Warren County, preferably, and we will post your site. And I know that people have, uh, found beekeepers to come in and, you know, there's always beekeepers, the bigger folks or people who are really going crazy that are looking for a place to put bees. So yeah, if you put your thing on my website, I could probably find you a beekeeper to keep okay. alive on your property. Check. Check. All right. My investment coming into this green, and I'm going to throw it out there that I'm plus 50. I have a couple dollars. I'm not poor, but I can't afford to pay attention. So we're going to put 500 bucks in this. Is that enough? Because I, I just, yeah, that's I had a thing on my Facebook page today from somebody that rhymes with grow and mow that said I could get everything I need in the classic bundle for 134 bucks. Yeah. What's your thought on that? Where, what's my investment? Yeah, you could do it for that much. You know, so this is what I would tell you. We would give you a beekeeping catalog. You have the house of Kevin, so you can get equipment from me. Yeah. But but if you were not affiliated with me, you could go to a number of beekeeper suppliers and buy a turnkey kit. And then you could also, let's just say Man Lake. That's a supplier. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're big. Yeah. They're huge. I put their sponsorship on EAS. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So Man Lake catalog, open it up and get the beginner's beekeeper kit. You'll buy a kit. That'll cost you more than you need to spend because it has stuff like wooden pellets that you'll never use and things. But okay. for the most part, you get a kit. You got to build it. What I need. But it gives you south of five hundred. And then because I mean, let's face it, I, I I don't really care much that much. I'm sorry, I'm gonna say this. I'm not that worried about honey. So yeah. it's more about you know doing it for the right reasons. I don't know. It's not because I want to make a million dollars selling honey. So what am I going to have to pay? And you, you mentioned earlier that I have a race car and that costs money. And, you know, mm -hmm. what are you going to do with your money? You might as well do something worthwhile and be keeping to me. You, you also, you have like the trifecta. You have a boat, break out another yeah. thousand. You know, there's nothing like a boat. Yes, I do love swimming. Yeah. I love a boat. No, you know, just out of the time. salt water, spray in your air, a little. It's funny because oh, now we man. have the time and we can't go. You know, <laughs> that's my life. That's All an right. inside joke, right? Because every time we go to the races, I tease Keith. Like, you see that guy? He's got a boat in his yard. You know how nice it would be to have a boat and go out and go fishing. I never get to go fishing. Okay, now question number two. Wait, let me finish your your answer. Oh, I thought you did. You can for five hundred dollars ballpark spitball. You can get a complete hive setup. You have yeah. to build it yourself. The, the and you can get uh, bees. Yeah. You could buy a starter. How much is the bee colony thing? I go to South Carolina, I want to buy the Russian bees. This is the, the challenge is that it varies all over the place. You could buy a package. You said you knew what that was. Or you could buy a nuke. And you Four. could get them from a range, right? A package. Uh, it's funny. I don't remember what they, they're, you're hard about just give me a hundred dollars, $500. They're less than 200 and okay, that's what I want. 
that's it. 200 for a package, near 200 right. for a nuke, sometimes okay. more. So if you go the winner and your bees don't make it, you're out 200 bucks. That's what it is. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. okay. That's fine. I'm all right with that. I can take that risk. And then you got to buy bee suits and you got to buy hive tools. and all So 500 that. bucks. Yeah, you can, you can get started for 500 All right. You do it well. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Two, question? No, really, how much time? No, I, I know what you say, and I know how much time you invest, but no, really, really. If I work six days a week, I teach OSHA, I do whatever, how much time? In the springtime, you're going to be in your hive once a week. Okay. If you find something, you're going to be in twice that week. That's from April through end of May. Okay. I'm all right with that. That's in, just like starting to mow the grass. It's in June, the July time frame, if yeah. you have honey, you're going to pull the honey and you're going to, you know, to take the honey one off. One day. Process it. Told me. It takes one day to get the honey. You usually do it one day, two days. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm all right with that. So far, I still can mulch the garden though. Because I got a lot of mulch, right? And you can. I don't want to. I don't want to be the bad beekeeper. To, you're going to be in at least once a month, and towards the end of the year, you're going to be in quite a bit more. Similar to spring, you have to get ready for fall and check your hives and feed them if you have to, and you know make sure they're not getting robbed and things like that. So okay. this is a rule of thumb. You'll understand that if you have a cat, you got to feed it every day. You got to clean the litter box. You got to do whatever. Yeah. If you have a dog, you could usually let the dog out. The dog does its business. Sometimes you got to walk the dog, do whatever. But a cat's far more maintenance, right? You believe right. that? So I it's more like a help. dog and less like a cat. That's what they say sometimes. So, but mm -hmm. they're livestock, right? So whenever they call for something, you're going to have to go take care of them. So at Fine. least. I, I would say if if once a week during the season, hardly at all, if any, during the winter. Does that answer your question? Yeah. In spades. That's it. That's what I want. You can so go on not, vacation. A, I don't want to be the treatment-free beekeeper because I don't think I'm you – know, and I listened to that podcast, and that, that guy, he sounded really good listening to him because he was really like, no, they're going to do what they do. And I'm just going to keep an eye out once in a while. Yeah. But then there's the other side where you and Bob are like traveling the world, opening up people's boxes every weekend. Um, I, I, like you say in the middle, somewhere in the middle, I'd be all right with that. All right. Monitor Next question. If you have to. Mm -hmm. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Oh my. Bear. So I, I live it's funny because those of you that don't know, New Jersey is notoriously known for people drive or flying to Newark. And it's very, very busy. It sometimes has smells. There's a lot of industry. We don't live there. We don't have any exits. There's a joke about New Jersey. What exit do you live on? So I live all the way out in the, the beautiful side of New Jersey is beautiful. People come, they drive out and they're like, wow, it's really nice out here. Yeah. So we're happy to live in Hunter County in New Jersey on the western side. And there are bears here. There are literally bears. I've never had one in my property, but they're literally on the road on the other side of the road. And I want to know. So I have fox. They, I have rabbits, and they're up on my deck and the thing. But um, 
I have I have fox, I have bears in the area. Am I worried about bears? And if I get a bear, what happens? What do I do then? So can you talk about that a little? So yes, you should be worried about bears. And yes, you have them more so than I do, but just as much as I do. And I play roulette by the fact that I'm not doing anything for my bears. But if you want peace of mind, put up a bear fence. And we have video. Like an electric fence? Yeah, electric fence. Yeah. Okay, I have that actually, believe it or not. Yeah, Give so you, you put them inside, but you have to bait the fence to make sure that the bear comes in and tries to eat the bait and gets zapped so it knows that the fence is alive. And I, I can teach you all about that. But if you live in New Jersey, especially near 78, which is up near where you are, mm -hmm. there's, the further you go north, the more dense the bears are. And I mean, we have them here. They're in every part of New Jersey, honestly. So now, what happens if you have a bear come in? First off, if it comes in and it gets to your equipment, hopefully you have your equipment strapped. It might knock it over and not do something, or they might just totally, utterly decimate it till they're done with it. Do and the bees sting the bear? Yeah, they do, but they don't the care. bear is determined. And actually the bear's, unlike Winnie the Pooh, the bear's not after honey most of the time. It's usually after the brood. It wants to eat the eggs, the larva, the larva and pupa. Is what I didn't know that. Learn once the Learn something today. Yeah. So okay. So, but if it comes I, in and it knocks your hive over, and you find your hive, you can't stand the hive up and put a fence up because it's coming back tomorrow to finish the job. So what we typically get is if your hive is attacked and you're fortunate enough because you had it strapped down, which you should, and it knocks it over and maybe it did some damage, but you could piece the hive back together. You need to move it somewhere else. And then you need to put a bear fence up and then you could bring it back later once you get everything established and back in whatever. But so I'm, I'm, I'm a bricklayer. I'm just gonna pour a concrete pad and then build a brick wall around it. You could do that. People build shelters, they, you know, they, they're notorious, right? You know how much they get into dumpsters, they can climb, they could do whatever. But yeah, people build um, screen enclosures sometimes just to keep them. Well, yeah. if you put it around your garden, you could keep the deer and the bear out with the same wire. That would be right. Neat. But it's got to be deer like dogs here. It's it's got to be set up for bear. It's got to be yeah. tall enough. The wire's got to be in the right place. I can't go through it now, but yeah, you, you can okay. use the fence. Yeah. Next question. Yeah, I've never seen a yard that has more deer than yours. And we have a lot in ours. They actually live in our woods. We're like house, but mutual of Omaha. Every so. time I'm standing on your deck, there's a deer. Yeah. 24-7. Like, you can mow right up to them. They're like dogs here. They don't even move anymore. They're so used to people. So um, next question is, uh, not my village is something that we deal with a lot, meaning, and it's going to be derogatory, I'm sorry. It, it's a little affluent out here. People have not much to worry about, so they worry about things they probably don't need to. So not my village is a slogan for us. And playing well with others and like a good neighbor. Mm -hmm. What do I have to do to have a beehive? I have five acres, so it's not near anybody. You probably put it a little bit away. There's 30 acres next to me in a farm. And I, do I go tell the neighbors, hey, by the way, I'm putting bees 
don't go by the white boxes. What's, what's, do you need permits? I know this, yeah, I, I know from listening to your that. podcast now mm-hmm. that there's all kinds of new things coming along or already in place for beekeepers who didn't play well with others. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you have more than enough property. In 30 seconds, tell me, do more I need More than permits? enough property, no concern. And yeah. the regulation of the bees on your property is at the state level, not your municipality. Okay. And if your neighbors had a complaint, as long as you're following the guidelines for keeping bees in New Jersey, yeah. they will not hassle you. You'll be fine. And you have more than enough property to keep hives. And it's your discretion whether you want to talk to your beekeeper neighbors or not, <laughs> you know, tell, okay. your, tell them you're a beekeeper. Uh, you know, out of courtesy, if somebody's allergic, deathly allergic, like they're going to get stung and die, you might right. change your mind about whether you're going to keep bees on your property. But, um, you know. How about like dogs? And I don't really, like my daughter comes back from New Hampshire. She brings her Alaskan Malamute. No problem. Uh, you know, so this is the deal is that you should put them away from your property line so that right. if your neighbor has a horse that comes up to the property line, they're not going to get impacted by the bees flying out to go forage. Uh, the dogs and cats and chickens and things like that, they generally learn pretty quickly to stay away. And, okay. you know, you shouldn't have an issue with. So north, south, east, in the sun, in the shade. Face the morning sun up off the ground so facing in the sun if you can get them fully in the sun all day uh you know i live in the woods you know where i live so i don't get sun so where where does the sun come up in front of your house behind your house to me is it's over by the park that's it so okay so you would put them out in front of your trees facing the park in the open space towards the end of your wait let me see over here for you people that are watching this thing <laughs> you would put it people that are listening you're just gonna have to use your imagination that direction yes this <laughs> it's boxed in it's drawn out all right okay next one this is one this is my last one for tonight and then we go further than this that's great because we are we're an hour in i think almost um why not so I, I told you a minute ago, I keep rabbits. And I built this big, elaborate, beautiful rabbit hutch. It's got a fan in it that comes on. And if it's too hot, mm-hmm. the fan comes on. In the wintertime, if it's too cold, we bring them in. Because, you know, we spoil the heck out of them. But we actually have an enclosure that has doors that close. And it has a heating pad. It's super simple. It costs next to nothing, and you just plug it in. It plugs in, and yeah. it's not – you could touch it. It's not like it burns anything up, but it keeps – why, after all the things that I hear about the bees, can't you just run a, an extension cord out and plug one of these things in and solve all your problems and put enough heat in that they would never die? That's what I want to know. Mm. Last question. Final mm. Wow. You know, it's funny. As a listener, uh, just asked this question not too long ago on Facebook, and – the answer is more pragmatic about why do you, I'm going to answer your question with a strange thing and then give me a minute and I'll explain. Why would you want the bees to be warm? And that's the conundrum. So in the winter time, come fall, um, 
all the forage is gone and there's nothing for them to do. You actually don't want them active because if they're warm, they're going to be operating inside the hive. They'll be consuming their, their stores. They're going to go out and try and fly when it's cold outside and you'll be losing bees. And in essence, when it's cold, you really want them to be dormant. It's called torpor. When they get a certain uh, temperature where it's cold, they come together in a cluster and they stay warm in the cluster and they just sustain themselves until warmer days. If you put heat inside that hive and make them operational, they'll be moving around doing things. They'll be eating their food reserves, which you don't want them to do. And so you've never seen them. I'm, I'm holding up a picture of this thermo peep heating pad. Yeah. It's $29. Mm -hmm. Have you ever felt one of these? Yeah, I know it's, what that is. So do you, let me ask you, I understand what you're saying. Okay. It's like, it's like in the movie where they put the guy on a plane and he goes and he has no oxygen. So they shoot him with something that keeps his heartbeat down. That point. All right. I went off on a tangent, but Just had a there's moment. so little heat that comes out of one of these things. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm talking maybe it would raise in a five degree day, it would raise the thing one degree. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I want no, you know, there, there's the validity science. to it, but here's the other side of that. You're, most people keep their bees out in the middle of a field. How do you get electricity out there? Yeah. You run seven well, extension cords out to your the back of your five acres? You, you're not. I, I don't I, want to yard, you, you know, yard with an extension cord going through. No, I know. So that, that's the bigger problem. And then you're going to get into putting solar up in the winter and trying to feed the thing. Why? Bees will survive in the cold. You know, they live in Canada at 20 below zero in a hive. Right. Why do you need to, to heat them in the winter? The shorter time? answer is it's more trouble than it's worth. But if right. you could do it, it probably wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, in the springtime when you want them to, to grow quickly and if you were trying to get, yeah, you could see advantages. In fact, this will bake your noodle. There's people who are big commercial operators that are talking about building buildings, warehouses, you know, amazon.com. Climate controlled beekeepers. Climate controlled. They're going to put their bees in. Instead of taking them down to Florida to overwinter, they're going to keep them here in New Jersey in a big warehouse and no climate control. And then when spring comes and they want the bees to be somewhat operational and start building out brood and doing whatever, they're going to turn that thermostat up a little bit, right? It's interesting. I wonder if that would help with Varroa if they were inside a building for the winter. That's a good. I just, I actually just got done working on a job that was one of these, you know, these 300 door long giant warehouses. And we were filling the doors. There was 50 of them in each building. And the thing was a third of a mile. And I mean, you could put the entire population of the United States bees inside one of these buildings. They're so huge. I, I can't imagine if you put them in there and they couldn't go out, I guess you could provide them the food and you could wipe out Perot in a year. Wouldn't that be an interesting idea coming from a non-beekeeping person? What do you think? Yeah, I, it's, it would be an interesting tabletop exercise, but I don't think it would work. Like the big bubble know. in the science fiction movies. Yeah, it sounds like um, Truman Show. All right, we're getting silly. Hey, you didn't ask me. There was a question you asked me off camera. What is a super? 
Oh, what's a honey super? I did say that earlier. You you sort of went there. Well, I wanted to come back to it. All right, go. Honey super. I, I don't know why the origin of the term. I, I should know this, but I, I don't. But super is a connotation that you're putting something on top. And so honey super is a specialized box that you put above the brood nest. The queen generally does not come up in there. And you're going to super, which means put on top a box and the bees will specifically store honey in them. And that's why it's referred to as a honey super. Sometimes people put a queen excluder, your other question that needed to be answered, between the brood nest and the honey super. And the reason being is the queen excluder is most times, there's many different formats, but you can envision a bunch of wires running parallel and they have a specific space in between the gap. That's what I said, it looks like a grill. Yeah, it looks like a, a grid. But there's a bunch of different kinds, but the one you talked about is the wire one, where wires right. run front to back of the hive, and the wires are explicitly um, spaced so that bees can pass through, but the queen, because of her size, is too big, she can't get through. So okay. what does that do? It excludes her from getting up to the top. She can't pass through the wires, and she's trapped. So if you're doing honey production, and for some reason, the queen, because they don't read the book, decides she's going to pass up and go into the honey chamber and lay. You don't want that as a, a honey producer because you're going to pull those boxes off and harvest You don't want to take the queen out of the box by accident. You don't want the queen in that box, and you don't want her laying eggs and have brood in that. Okay. The nest. Expanding. See, now I thought it was the other way around. I thought it made the queen stay all by herself. I didn't realize the other bees could travel. See? That's why we're doing it. Yeah, there. other bees could pass through that nonstop. No, oh, it's it's a queen excluder, but I pictured the queen in a little box, yeah, like a little jail cell, and everybody else is outside. She's in there, well, but it's not that at all. Learn it's other things that they use, like a queen cage that, yeah, not the kind that you ship, but one that you put over the frame. It's like a wire mesh box that has right. an open side. Sides and they are closed. through and let the queen out or something. And you say. trap the queen underneath it, and she stays inside that box. Right. That's a queen excluder by your description, but that's not what it's called. No. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this. Uh, we're heading down the path of getting you a box of bees. Okay. And I am working on this management mentoring program. And maybe we could parlay this into, if you're um, amenable, some sort of series where I take you through <laughs> the beginning of keeping bees, whatever. We could do can our I, own separate episodes just to do that. You better, you better find out if this made people crazy listening to the two of us talk to each other <laughs> yeah. before you say that. Yeah. Because people might have tuned us out a half hour ago and said, I can't do this. It just sounds like he's talking to himself. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what I should have called this episode. Talking to you is like talking to myself. Yeah. Do you know that? That's a song from Daryl Hall on one of his albums. Talking right. to you is like talking to myself. I don't know. listen to his album. I know you would appreciate it. By the way, everybody, he, 
I'm pointing at Keith on the screen, has musical Tourette's just like I do. He knows yeah. all the songs. When you say something, he breaks out in verse. It's just something symbiotic that the two of us have. My wedding song? Huey Lewis and the News. Huey Lewis? Just saying. Yeah. Mean the World to Me by Huey Lewis and the News. Yeah. So, uh, hmm. We'll, we'll have to talk off about offline about how so series you and me oh my god series. like Bert and me <laughs> just a just a handful of episodes periodically to get it up we're late you should have we should have started you back in february honestly i didn't know you wanted to go um i was well, knew, I had to drop it off i have to wonder listening to your podcast and listening to all the things that go on what happens during this bubble of time with all that we've experienced in the last month with COVID, people listening to this going forward are going to look back at this time and say, oh, yeah, I remember this or that, or some of the things he said about, you know, wearing a mask into the supermarket or, you know, how is that going to play going forward? And never in my life have I ever had, you know, they, they say, you say here, why? Uh, you know what? Sometime when I get some free time, I'll take care of that. Well, guess what? There's no excuses right now. Yeah. Your free time is here if you're not. So essential, non-essential, working, non-working. There's still a crazy amount of time because you're not doing all the recreational things that you were doing. And yeah, that, that brings me to two dynamics that I can talk about out loud. One of them is uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to get started in beekeeping this year. I mean, sometimes I, I know in our area, some of the packages that typically come up are not getting delivered. So there's 500 plus packages not getting started this spring in my area. That's an interesting deal. And you don't understand why, but we're bringing genetics from Georgia where it's warmer up into the cold north and the bees aren't as acclimatized to this yeah. area and this year it's going to be different than every other year prior those bees are not coming north this year in some aspect right the other thing is i don't have to drive to work i don't, I don't have to drive to work i don't have to or drive free time home, right yeah so and i could go out and look at my bees at lunchtime so this is going to be the best beekeeping year ever uh, I'm on my own schedule, so to speak, working from home. So I think a lot of beekeepers are going to love this year and this situation for the spring because they're going to give loving care. They just wish the weather would break. Like, that's what I think. Uh, I know we have a we have a conure, and he's like, you guys are here every day. I want full attention. But um, a, what? a couple episodes, you had it, uh, a Con young guy on with What's a you. conure? Huh? What did you say? You have a what? That required a, a parrot. Carrot. Conure. So, Conures. so that's a two episodes ago, you had a guy that you did, just you and him did an interview. Yeah. He said, and I quote, last I decided I wanted to do this. I went out and researched it fully before I started. And, and now I'm here talking to you, essentially. Paraphrase all that he said, because he said a lot that day. Um, there are a lot of people, if you look at things like what's doing good right now, Zoom, yeah. the, the, the businesses that do meetings, but also Babbel, 
right? So if you wanted to learn a, a lesson in some other language, now is a good time because you have that time. Audio books are doing great. Podcasts, I hope your podcast membership is up. Nice. Um, people are researching how to keep bees. And if there's some story that's out there from all these things that says something, and it's all, you know what, I said I was always going to do that. Maybe now's the time. So I think you'll find it. Even if they're not ready this year, they're researching for next year. That's Well, and you, you could still get started in some respects. I mean, I saw a message came through today that said you have till, I think, April 30th to order a package still from one. I got it in. So. I'm waiting. I'm calling in my favor. Well, it's, you know, this is the thing. I was in a meeting last night with, uh, was it last night or night before on Zoom with Raritan Valley Beekeepers Association, which I belong to, mm -hmm. Somerset County area beekeepers. Um, there's a lot of new beekeepers getting started. And unfortunately, they can't have people come visit. There's no in-person meetings. And we've turned to a virtual world here. Uh, we're not going out to see beekeepers because we got to do social distancing and it's near impossible to go work a hive with somebody and not pass hive tools between each other and do some of that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting spring. There's going to be a lot of impact on this. Now, what I've seen is there's beginning beekeeper courses that are being offered online that you can get for free and some of that stuff. But um, this is what people need, to, to your point. They get started and then they don't know what they're doing. They go out and look in their hive and they don't know what a queen where the queen might be and what a drone is versus a worker or whatever. So if we discuss things, it'll naturally lead to all the questions. How, how do you do an inspection? How do you physically take the roof off, smoke the bees and work your way through a hive and read the frames? That's, that's a skill. I, I almost feel like, like even if they stood back and you, did it for them and they watched from a distance yeah. and maybe filmed it or asked questions. If they get, if you started this year and you don't know what you're doing and you ran into some trouble and you have good intentions, maybe it's time to call in the SOS team. Maybe what you need to do is put a rescue team together for people that are really struggling. If you That's know. what the management training program is that we're doing for Northwest. Yeah. If you have a problem, ring the bell and we'll come out to or at least hop on the line but you know what i'll say to you and you, you bring up a good point for anybody listening to this watching it if you go to the northwest youtube channel nwnjba on youtube um we it's messy to watch don't get me wrong and it's sometimes filmed awful film just as bad as it could be but we do live mentoring meetings at a hive and we gather all these people together who are usually new and they ask all the questions and we take them through all the answers, physically opening hive, passing frames around, doing all that. If you've got the fortitude and you should have the time right now to watch through those videos, we answer so many questions that people like you have and you could watch the videos. Now they're not built to be educational but they're raw and in the moment. And most of the time we cover the questions that people want to know. Um, you just have to be invested in them. So youtube.com slash NWNJBA. And if you look through some of the older videos, 
especially in the springtime. Uh, we do usually a February, I'm sorry, uh, an April and a May meeting where we're live in the hives and we cover a lot of ground in them. And they are what you just talked about. Take me through a hive, show me what you're seeing. You know, that's what I want. So yeah, yeah go on for a look at that. Well, you've had COVID. You'd have to get my wife's wife's come over. <laughs> sorry. All right. Happy well, night, happy night. how about this? Double trouble. Yeah. This was fun. I really, I can't wait to see the feedback. I hope it was good. First time I've ever done anything like this. So if I look bad, I have no excuse. You look good. You're a handsome dude. Yeah. <laughs> you too, man. Looking good. Ah. So coming to what you from our bedrooms. What's coming up? Anything? Let me think about that. Uh, the only thing I'll, I'll talk about, give me one second while I, this is good television here. Um, I know that there are things that they do every year where they want people to um, come check their hives together. What do I mean by that? They do mite monitoring periods where they want you to go monitor your mites and send your data in. And I think it's usually May timeframe. Um, Sorry, I, I, I should have been better prepared for this, but um, if you get the chance, look around on the web and you'll find Mite Monitoring Day. I don't know what it's called, I forget. I'll try and put it in the show notes for this one where they're asking all beekeepers during this one period to go out, monitor your hives and send in your results. And there's something about that that tangentially if you monitor your hives and you find that you need to do something with them and you take action lo and behold everybody's doing it at the exact same time and there's always been this kind of notion panacea of everybody doing a treat at one time wiping varroa mites out in a, in a specific week or two uh, what impact would that have on spring ramp up of varroa mite through a region if everybody did it. So I, I don't know the, uh, what were you gonna say, Keith? No, I was I'm gonna go off. I looked it up on the web and I couldn't find my monitoring day. So back to you. Pollinator.org slash Mitathon. I found it. May 2nd through 17th. And then they have a second one, August 15th through the 30th. So, North American Mitathon is the name of it. And I'll have a link in the show notes. So it's a good place to end. Keith, I got to say thanks. I just called you awesome. yesterday. We were chatting and decided to do this off the cuff. We've been talking about doing the mask thing for forever. And uh, I always wanted to be famous and on a podcast. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Yeah. Really. Very exciting. Nice. So. Guns. All right. Well. Hey, stay like, safe out there, everybody. Like our beloved bees. When beekeepers uh, go together. We could accomplish great things. Is that yes. right? Wait, I don't want to. I know I said it. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. We, we used to be 911 dispatchers, both of us. Yeah. Operator 39. Operator 66. KYQ 553. They used to give us these papers you had to read for like uh, missing persons or something. So the two of us would sit in a room 
And he would go, all cars in Jason's copy radio message. And I would go, 2164 Authority, Hunterdon County. And he would go be on the lookout for a thing. And, I, and the people on the scanner on the other end had no I idea. Two people doing it. So I just thought that would be an appropriate way to finish. Did we ever switch classes in high school? I, I, yes, maybe they told us you better switch notes when they were done. Yes, that's you what weren't really mad doing. though. At least mine wasn't. Whoever your teacher was wasn't really mad at us. A dem check. Yeah. Who was yours? Koval, I think. Koval, that's right. Oh, we're going back a long time. I'm old. So we were crosses the hall from each other, and we actually switched, and nobody knew. All the kids in the class knew. They were yeah, the kids in the class in my class. It only happened once. Yeah. We got away with it. My my boss came to the racetrack one time, and you sat and talked to him. He knew everything yeah. about me. Wellington Speedway. And we had just the job and everything, and at the end of the we day, had just you talked, and you we went somewhere. I don't remember where, and you had told me everything you had going on and this guy yeah. walked up and it was one of those really awkward tv moments like a seinfeld episode where he started to say something and i'm going i know this guy i know him and i had met him before but i didn't know him and then when he started asking me things it was clear that he thought i was you and i didn't want to let on that i was an idiot didn't i've done that too i answered every question <laughs> to this day he thinks he spoke to you yeah. I so when you're, for those of you that don't know, when you're a twin and you're an identical twin, like I said earlier, I've been called Kevin all my life. I've always answered to his. Yeah, name. I answer to Keith. But people come up and they're like, hey, how you doing? You're like, hmm, son. Sorry, I don't know you. Uh, you must know my twin, Kevin. Oh, no, I know you. Oh, man, that's really embarrassing. <laughs> so you go with it for a few minutes while you try and figure it out. It's a twin thing. Yeah, because you right. remember back in high school, right? Yeah. You may or may not remember the two or 300 people that were in your class, but you remember all the twins because they were twins. Of course. So we have that. That's an unfortunate part of me. It's great to have a friend with you as you grow up every day. But the shortcomings are that somebody comes up and says, hey, how are you doing? It's great to see you. And you're like, oh, geez, I don't know if I know this person or We not. looked a lot more alike when we were younger, too. Well, I'd say we're still pretty good. You look strange, though, without a beard. I don't, I'm not used to yeah. that. I am shaped up. That is unusual. Yeah, usually you have uh, that, that uh, I'm a construction worker beard thing going. Yep. It's a home thing, so... Oh, COVID, go away. Be uh, safe, everybody. Yeah. Like our beloved bees with beekeepers go together, we can accomplish great things. Accomplish great things. Thanks yeah. for listening, everybody. Be safe.